Campfire Classics is a classic literature podcast. However, your hosts will occasionally use not-so-classy language and immature humor to describe very mature situations. As such, listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Ken Sandberg. And I'm Heather Michelle Lawler. Welcome to Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. It's early in the morning and I got some coffee and we're gonna do a little bit of reading. Woo! Oh, it's such a chipper little song lately. It's nice. I, 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 that's just, it seems right. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, no, it's... It's it's gonna become a staple of the podcast as... Heather's gonna sing a Jess Day esque song uh, at the beginning of every sure. episode. What's, what is what is this episode's opening jingle? Yeah, <laughs> and to be fair, Jess Day was really just doing Heather Lawler jingles because I've been doing those long before New Girl was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why when I saw New Girl for the first time, I went, "Oh, I have found my people." <laughs> Singy, singy songs. The people on New Girl make me look normal, and that's why I like watching it. (laughs) I feel like that says a lot. I'm not sure who it says a lot about, but I feel like that says a lot. I think it says a lot about me and the people that are my friends because we're awesome. (laughs) There was a whole show about us. Yeah, I wish it was still happening, but it's over. Uh, apparently, Netflix, um, they uh, it, it did so well for Netflix. So many people go back and rewatch and rewatch and rewatch that when they recently put in a new order for shows, they said, we're looking for something that can take the place of New Girl. Uh, yeah. Like that was specifically their direction. Um, yeah. And and it was a thing of like, well, it's it has a um, it has a diverse cast. It's now what ten years since it first aired, and it's still holding up. People are going back and watching it. No one really seems to be offended by it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty fucking brilliant. <laughs> like, it's it's pretty brilliant. Um, so any writers out there that want to create the new New Girl, go for it. <laughs> Well, I'm I mean, thinking. Well, they also they have a podcast too, without giving them a. Yeah, you didn't know this. Who Who is they? Oh, uh, um, uh, the girl who plays Cece, the uh, guy who plays um, Winston, and like the rest of the cast shows up at random, but it's like their podcast, huh. and then like, but like Zoe Deschanel shows up on the regular. Um, Nick. I keep forgetting all their actual names right now, even though I do know them. Oh, um, yeah. So uh, Hannah Simone is Cece. Yes. Yep. Um, Lamorne Morris is yes. Winston. And is Winston. Uh, Jake Johnson is Nick. Literally, they all show up. Like all the main cool. principal cast. And then they also get like people that were um, like Rob Reiner. Oh, um, people, just who, people who has, yeah, guest has stars, popped yeah. in as like an episode. But yeah, they have, a, they have a podcast that I've been like wanting to listen to because- huh. They kind of talk about the show. It's kind of like a rewatch situation thing, but not. Like, it's also just them shooting the shit because they all became such good friends when they were shooting that show that, like, they they kind of became their characters and their characters became them. Which is what my understanding is happens with a lot of casts of those long running sitcoms is absolutely eventually the the um, the writers are no longer writing characters. They're just writing what the actors. Yeah. 
if they cast it correctly, if they cast it right, they don't have to do much with those kinds of situation like sitcoms anymore. Yeah. Like you just cast the people that you that are like, yep, that's what I was looking for. And you give them a few more quirks than like. Like I, I, I don't know if Winston is actually, or if Lamore Morris is actually colorblind, but like, <laughs> but you give them, you give them situations that like are funny because it's a sitcom, but he's still just playing it like he would play it if that happened, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, that was a long tangent about New Girl. Hi, everybody. We're not the New Girl podcast. We're Campfire Classics. Welcome to Campfire Classics, a New Girl early Appreciation podcast. sitcom fan cast. I mean, uh, tune in kind of. next week when we will talk about Parks and Rec. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, it is early morning. So if we seem a little slow, well, it's not early morning. It's early morning for me and Ken. <laughs> and don't worry, we don't seem slow. I've edited out the 15 <laughs> minutes of dead air that we've already had. <laughs> oh, good. Um he, that's why he does the editing and I do the uh, promotional stuff because he makes us sound smart and I make us look smart. Um, uh, this is the time, early morning. So, this is the uh, moment. Sh- this is this the is moment. The day. Oh, that was my dream last night. I had like a like crazy dream that I was playing Lucy in uh, Jekyll and Hyde. That was so weird. You just triggered that. Like. And like I was backstage warming up uh, for a dangerous game, like like the duet. And I was like, I like, I just kept warming up, kept warming up. I'm like, is it going to happen? Is it going to happen? That was like, that was the whole dream, you know, an actor's nightmare. Welcome to Campfire Classics, a tangent podcast (laughs) where we just go on flight of fancy tangents wherever they take us. And when it comes down to it, that's really what we do. I mean, that is what this show is. It's we read stories and go on tangents about things in the stories in our life. Things happen and we go on tangents. Uh, Shall we get the, to it? But the <laughs> but the framework around which these tangents shoot is uh, what we do, what we intend to do here um, is uh, reading short stories from the public domain, which you get to hear us read cold. And while we do that, um, yeah, we do go on tangents and sometimes the tangents are inspired by dreams and sometimes the tangents are inspired by uh, words that we don't recognize coming from these short stories. And sometimes the tangents are coming from penis jokes that were not originally recognized in the short stories, but they sure are today. Because Heather has the brain of a 10 year old. (laughs) Who has just learned what a peen is. Yes. <laughs> uh, so this week, uh, it's my turn to be reading, and Heather has selected a story for me to attempt to cold read for you. But before we jump into that, she's going to give us some fun facts. I am. So I've picked a story this week. Um, it is by a Campfire Classics recent favorite actually um who knew that the author that would open season two would become such a hit this year it's the return of sir johnny bangs hey welcome back johnny bangs (laughs) it's john kendrick bangs uh i don't know how we missed him the entire like first year we were doing pot or more than year we were doing a podcast but uh he is definitely he's he's been around a couple of times now yeah i mean his name is also 
John Bangs. Yeah. <laughs> and we know what this podcast does. So his name is Sir Johnny. <laughs> we named him Sir Johnny Bangs in season two, episode one. If you want to go back and listen to fun facts about Mr. Bangs, because yeah. I will not be covering those today. Um, That's fair. What I will be doing is giving you some fun facts based on the title of the story. So I'm going to I'm going to do what I did last time. I'm going to tell you the title of the story and then I'm going to give you some fun facts that are relevant to the title, okay? All righty. So the title of the story is The Speck on the Lens. The Speck on the Lens. Now, I have done zero research, like as per usual, on like what the actual story is about. But to me, that sounds like glasses. And looking at both of us right now, we're both wearing glasses as we record. So my fun facts um, are famous celebrities throughout time who wore glasses. And of course, I love, I love when your fun facts are basically just the Adam Sandler Hanukkah song. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I would if I had more time, I would have set them to music. I'm sorry, everybody. I guess I could I could do a just day song right now, but you could. Or when I'm editing this, I'll just auto tune you. You'll just auto tune me. Great. I love it. I can't wait. All right. So the first one, because of the show you're doing right now. Buddy Holly, everybody. Buddy Holly, he wears glasses, as he says in the show. (laughs) Um, He was, if you don't know who Buddy Holly is, then get your shit together. But also, like, if you don't know who Buddy Holly is, he was the 1950s icon of rock and roll. Um, He only lived to be 22 because he died in the famous plane crash um, with Richie Valens and the Big Bopper uh, after the Clear Lake, Iowa concert. Shout out Iowa. (laughs) Yeah, there sure is. I know. (laughs) I I was joking. Shout out Iowa. I know. (laughs) I mean, that is kind of one of the most famous things from Iowa. And it's like, yep, that seems about right. Yeah, you basically got you got that in that baseball movie. That Field of Dreams is the baseball movie Ken speaks of. Um. And the music man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, there's also state fair. There is state fair. Because um, <laughs> our state fair is the best state fair. Um, in our state. In our state. <laughs> it's very true. Uh, so, Buddy Holly was very popular for uh, making these thick black frames, very, very popular. Um, And at the time, like there were no celebrities wearing glasses, like everybody was taking them off to perform or, you know, pretending they could see that kind of situation because contacts had just come around, but they were not good. Um, And oh, I didn't know contact lenses were that old. I'm like hard contact lenses have been around for a while. Actually, now I want to look it up. 1936. Holy balls. Yep. An optometrist named William Feinblum fabricated the first American-made contact lenses and introduced the use of plastic lenses in 1936. Um, And then in 1960, uh, optometrists from Czechoslovakia developed the material used for the first soft contact lenses. Why did I think contact lenses were new as of like 1994? That's so funny. <laughs> well, I was wearing them before that. So, <laughs> yeah, I had I had hard contacts first. But, yeah, no, I knew they were around, like, when my parents were quite young. Because I remember my, huh. my mom and dad, they both ha- are blind like I am. Um, thanks, mom and dad. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, so 
Buddy Holly, like at the time, I mean, they were expensive. And sure. they were hard contacts. I don't know if you've ever worn hard, hard contacts. They can be very uncomfortable, like for long periods of time and stuff. But at the time, yeah. celebrities were just not highlighting the fact that they wore glasses because it was, you know, considered very academic and not rock and roll. And Buddy Holly made it rock and roll, which Hell leads yeah. us to our other celebrity from rock and roll that is very iconic, who was inspired by Buddy Holly. John Lennon, sure, who yep. came not, oh, the Beatles have like directly stated they were absolutely inspired, if not ripped off Buddy Holly multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah. And I don't want to offend any Beatles fans out there. I am a huge Beatles fan. That is direct quotes from all four of the Beatles. They're like, they would not exist if Buddy Holly had not existed and if he hadn't come to England and like, you know. Um, well, they when they were when they were first performing in uh, Germany, like eighty percent of their set was just was, covering yeah. Buddy Holly and Chuck Berry. Yeah, so it, like it's not a secret. So John Lennon became very famous, uh, especially in the '60s, like after they'd been famous for a while. Like um, when he went his when John Lennon went to his hippie. His hippy dippy, you know, you've all seen them, the circle glasses. Ken yep. has a pair. <laughs> and when any when he whenever he wears them, when anyone wears them, a lot of people wear them to festivals now. Like they are very iconic to John Lennon. So we got John Lennon, and then we have one more uh icon in music, uh, who made glasses fabulous. Can you guess? <laughs> uh I'm gonna go with Elton John. Yeah, Elton yeah. John. Uh, that became, if you've seen the movie, um, Rocket, Man. Rocket Man, thank you. Um, the, if you've seen the movie Rocket Man, he actually talks about it. Um, in it, there's like a scene about why he loves these glasses and everything. Um, but yeah, he, you cannot find a picture of Elton John without some fabulous fucking glasses on, like all throughout the seventies and eighties and nineties. Um, and in fact, if you Google Elton John right now, he still, in, well, he wears Buddy Holly-esque glasses now. In order. At least as I'm Googling Elton John right now, the autocomplete for the search is Elton John. And then number two is Elton John glasses. That is before number three, Elton John songs. That's amazing. See, (laughs) like Elton John's glasses are more famous than his music, which (laughs) I'm... I'm a little upset about, but because, you know, he's a great musician. Well, so is John Lennon, so is Buddy Holly, but, you know. Yeah. You make a statement with your glasses and, and you got to do uh, And thing. if you Google Elton John without glasses, is it it's weird? a little weird. I yeah. know. I've seen him without glasses. He actually looks very strange. Like Not used to it. Yeah. It's it's a little weird. But then, I mean, so those are, those are all, I, I was going to go on the rock spin because Ken is currently doing the Buddy Holly story, which it makes sense. And then. Uh, there seemed to be a lineup, but uh, it continued in music. Like we now see like Lizzo will wear her glasses sometimes in her music videos. Tupac Shakur like was a, a like a the, one of the first rappers that wore glasses like in his daily life. And people were like, that's not very like hip hop. And he's like, what? <laughs> like I wore glasses, dude. And he kind of normalized it. Like I, I remember when I was a kid, at least like glasses were like, nerdy um and that has definitely that is definitely not the case anymore i was literally at target yesterday and they have an entire rack of non-prescription glasses 
because yeah. they're very in right now. Like Sarah Palin, like I'm thinking of like the fucking like, that's all I remember about her. Thank God. <laughs> and when I say Sarah Palin, I really mean I Tina Fey. I really mean Tina Fey doing Sarah Palin because. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure you can find a video that is Tina, Tina Fey doing, doing Sarah, Sarah Palin. Don't Google that. <laughs> don't Google that. What I meant to I say mean, it's, was it's Tina Fey. It's probably an animated. It's probably a, like a, a computer animated or impersonator video. No, it's, it's video, lookalikes. But, you know it yeah. is. I don't even want. I'm going to Google it later and I'm going to regret it. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, like it, it's, glasses have just become a, a big staple in our, in our, in our world. And uh, I like to think that Mr. Buddy Holly started it for the music and uh, entertainment industry. Yeah. So from there... You're going to read The Speck on the Lens by John Kendrick Bangs, a.k.a. Sir Johnny Bangs. Let's start that fire. The Speck on the Lens by Sir Johnny Bangs. Talking about inventions, said the occultist, as he very dexterously pocketed two It's not occultist, it's the oculist. Aw. <laughs> Damn. This is why I read along now, too, like you do. Because when we're reading, we, we kind of make it what it is. <laughs> I like occultist, but I have a feeling... I like occultist, but it's oculist. I feel You're like right. it's a story about glasses, <laughs> I should have I should have put that together. I didn't even like look down. I was like a cultist. Wow, that's oh, it's Oculus. I never get to I never get to uh, uh, correct Ken in a reading because he's like ninety nine point nine percent accurate. So well, shit. <laughs> so you can't edit that out because I win. <laughs> All right, I'll leave your victory in. Woo-hoo. <laughs> Talking about inventions, said the oculist as he very dexterously pocketed two of the pool balls, the handsome ringer, more familiarly known as the 15 ball, and the white ball itself, thereby adding somewhat to the minus side of his string. Talking about inventions, I had a curious experience last August. I didn't even mention him uh, handling and pocketing two balls because it was the first sentence of the story. (laughs) But uh, he was very dexterously handling two balls. Um, So we know what he's doing as he's talking. Okay. Anyway, just giving everyone Um, a visual at home. Yep. The the occultist oculist. The occultist oculist is handling his balls and talking at, at the pool table right now. Yeah, I also definitely chose his voice when I thought he was an occultist. Yes. And so we're just sticking with I like that. it. I'm into it. It was an experience which was not only interesting from an inventive point of view, but it had likewise a moral which will become more or less obvious as I unfold the story. Oh, good. You know, I'd rented and occupied a place in Yonkers last summer. It was situated on the highlands to the north of the city, a little this side of Greystone, overlooking that magnificent stream, the Hudson. (laughs) I don't think the Hudson has ever been described as a magnificent stream ever, ever. It is full of dead bodies and uh, acid. 
when was this written? Uh, uh, oh my God, like the, the early 1900s. So, so, so it, it probably was probably not polluted at the time. Probably wasn't full of acid and dead bodies, at least as far north as Yonkers at that point. That's true. <laughs> yeah, Yonkers is a little cleaner. I, I don't know. I guess the stream flows down to New York, so yeah. it's probably relatively clean up in Yonkers. You're right. Mm-hmm. I've just never heard the word magnificent and the Hudson in the same sentence. <laughs> or stream, for that or matter. Or stream. It's a fucking river. Unless, unless it's, I let go my stream of <laughs> urine into the Hudson. Which I know people that have done that, which is why you don't swim, fish, do anything in the Hudson River. <laughs> Yeah, you take take the ferry across it. Let there be thousands of tons of steel between you and that water. Quite literally, as I was leaving the ship, they were pulling a dead body out of it that had a weighted backpack on, y'all. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. You can Google it. But his description of the Hudson goes on. Yes, I'm sure it does. Overlooking that magnificent stream, the Hudson, the ever-varying beauties of which so few of the residents along its banks really appreciate. It was a comfortable spot, with a few trees about it, a decent-sized garden large enough to raise a tomato or two for a Sunday night salad, and a lawn which was a cure for sore eyes, its soft, sheeny surface affording the most restful object upon which to feast the tired optic. I believe it was that lawn that first attracted me as I drove by the place with a patient I had in tow. Lovely. All right, so we're sitting by the Hudson River on a beautiful lawn with a couple tomatoes. <laughs> yep. Love it. I wonder if he handles the tomatoes the way he handles his balls. I was I was going to go there, and I was like, well, let's just see if he picks a tomato and eats it. It was just after a heavy shower and the sun breaking through the clouds and lighting up the rain-soaked grass gave to it a glistening golden greenness that, to my eyes, was one of the most beautiful and soul-satisfying bits of color I had seen in a long time. Oh, for a summer of that, I said to myself, little thinking that the beginning of a summer thereof was to fall to my lot before many days, for on May 1st I signed papers which made me, to all intents and purposes, proprietor of the place for the ensuing six months. Oh shit. Okay, so I like this guy. He's very he's very whimsical, very romantic. He's like, it's so beautiful. It's lovely. Let me tell you the story. But little did I know it was all gonna go to shit. <laughs> it's basically what I just said. I'm pretty sure. Um, I like that he talks in circles. Yeah, he does. He absolutely talks in circles. At one corner of the grounds stood, I should say, a dozen apple trees, the spreading branches of which seemed to form a roof for a sort of enchanted bower in which you may be sure I passed many of my leisure hours swinging idly in a hammock, the cool breezes from the Hudson concerning which so many people are skeptical, but which nevertheless (laughs) exist, bringing delight to my ear and nostril, as well as to the fevered brow which is so fashionable in the neighborhood of New York in the summer, making the leaves rise 
rustle in a tuneful sort of fashion and laden heavily with the sweet odors of many a garden close over which they passed before they got to me. That was all one sentence. It certainly was. Holy shit, that entire paragraph was one sentence. Yep. <laughs> the Oculus occultist uh, who likes to play with his balls also likes to speak in long-windedness and in circles. <laughs> Put that in a rhyme, doctor, and there's your poem, said the <laughs> lieutenant as he made a combination scratch involving every ball on the table. <laughs> okay, we have another character now who's like, okay, that was cute. <laughs> I only just put together that in that first paragraph, the occultist oculist was not picking pool balls up off the table and putting them in his pocket. He was putting them in pockets. Yeah. He put them in pockets on the table, like he sank the shot. And then he scratched because he. And then he scratched because he yeah. put the white ball in. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I just liked that he had balls in his pockets. <laughs> yeah, I, but like. In my head, he was doing some, like, sleight-of-hand shit and, like, stealing pool balls off the table. <laughs> just walking around, just, like... I only just put together that that's not what this is about. They're playing pool. He's playing pool with a, a fellow New Yorker and telling him a story. Yep. This is like... An oculist and a lieutenant walked into a bar to play pool and... And one of them was an occultist. And one of them, or both. We'll find I'll out. I'll do it, said the doctor, and then I'll have it printed as Appendix J to the third edition of my work on 60 astigmatisms and how to acquire <laughs> them. But to get back to my story, he continued. <laughs> I like to think he's I about six lo- whiskeys in, too. <laughs> <laughs> but get back to my All right, story. I can start, no, you don't have. I can no, start I think he holds his more. liquor pretty well. I'm just. I like to think. I was lying there in my hammock one afternoon, <laughs> no, trying no, no, to no. take I like it a it. census of the butterflies in sight, when I thought I heard someone back of me call my name. Instantly, the butterfly census was <laughs> forgotten, and I was on the alert. But whether there was something the matter with my eyes or not, I. I do not know, despite all my alertness, there wasn't a soul in sight that I could see. That is a redundant sentence. It is a redundant sentence, but I also, I'm going to point this out because I'm going to guess it's going to continue. There have been so many words that are like vision related, just like Mm -hmm. dropped in there, even when he's not talking about his vision. It's like he uses so like... Mr. Sir Johnny Bangs is uh, is is slaying the game right now. He's, it's almost like he knows what he's like doing. It's like he's good at his job. <laughs> That's why he's a sir. That's why he's been knighted by by us. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> by us. Of course, I was slightly mystified at first, and then I attributed the interruption either to imagination or to some passerby whose voice wafted on the breeze might have reached my ears. I threw myself back into the hammock once more and was just about dozing off to the lullaby sung by a bee to the accompaniment of the rustling leaves when I again heard my name distinctly spoken. This time, there was no mistake about it, for as I sprang to my feet and looked about, I saw coming towards me a man of unpleasantly cadaverous aspect, whose years, I should judge, were at least eighty in number. (laughs) 
His beard was so long and scant that to keep the breezes from blowing it about to his discomfort, he had tucked the end of it into his vest pocket. <laughs> his eyes, black as coals, were piercing as gimlets, their sharpness equaled by nothing that I had ever seen, excepting perhaps the point of this same person's nose, which was long and thin, suggesting a razor with a bowie point. His slight body was clad in somber garb, and at first glance he appeared to me so disquietingly like a visitor from the supernatural world that I shuddered. But when he spoke, his voice was all gentleness, and whatever of fear I had experienced was, in a moment, dissipated. Ew. So he's creepy as fuck looking, but he's like, hi. See, that's even creepier to me. When someone who makes your bones, like, chill just by looking at them then sounds like Mr. Rogers, I'm like, uh-uh, no, 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 it's even worse. Oh, I wish I had a good Mr. Rogers impersonation. <laughs> or, like, Tom Hanks or, like, you know, somebody, like, one of those people that's just, like, the nicest person you've met, like, on the street. <laughs> you are Dr. Carey. He said in a timid sort of fashion. Yes, I replied, I am. What can I do for you? The distinguished... Fuck. <laughs> now you... The distinguished occultist? <laughs> no. The distinguished oculist, he added, as if not hearing my question. Well, I'm a sort of notorious eye doctor, I answered, my well-known modesty <laughs> preventing my entire acquiescence in his manner of putting it. He smiled pleasantly as I said this, and then drew out of his coat-tail pocket a small tin box, which, until he opened it, I supposed contained a drinking cup, one of those folding tin cups. <laughs> like, like a camping cup? <laughs> like a camping like, cup. I'm just going to go camping on your lawn right now, but no, I'm going to guess he's going to pull something else out. <laughs> Dr. Carey. He said, sitting down in the hammock which I had vacated and toying with the tin box, a proceeding that was so extraordinarily cool that it made me shiver. I have been looking for you for just 63 mortal years. Wait, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> um... I believe, wait, what is the response we're about to get from our occultist okay. oculus? It's like, that made me go, what, what? <laughs> Excuse me, <laughs> I returned as nonchalantly as I could, considering the fact that I was beginning to be annoyed. He was annoyed? I'm Excuse like intrigued as fuck. I'm like, wait, what did you just say? The fuck? Yeah, but he's but, also like creeped but we out. Don't, we don't, we, well, among other things, we don't know how old our oculist is at this point. There's a decent chance that he just said, I've been looking for you for 63 years. I'm 47. Yeah, I don't think he's that old. I mean, it, from what, from like the, the, the context clues, at least, I don't think he's, he is 63 years old. I think he's much yeah. younger. Also, mortal years? Like, is this a fucking vampire? Like... Or some other sort of yeah. undead, yeah, I'm thinking. Continue. This just got weird. I'm like, oh. 
Excuse me, I returned as nonchalantly as I could, considering the fact that I was beginning to be annoyed. Excuse me, but that statement seems to indicate that I was born famous, which I'm inclined to doubt. Inasmuch as I am not yet 50 years old, I cannot understand how it came to pass that you have been looking for me for 63 mm -hmm. years. Yep. <laughs> Nevertheless, my statement was correct. He said, I have been looking for you for 63 years, but not for you as you. Oh, my God. Oh, what is happening? <laughs> this made me laugh, although it added slightly to my nervousness, which was now beginning to <laughs> return. To have a man with a tin box in his hand tell me that he had been looking for me for 13 years longer than I had lived, and then to have him add that it was not, however, me as myself that he wanted was amusing in a sense, and yet I could not help feeling that it would be a relief to know that the tin box did hold the drinking cup and not dynamite. <laughs> also, this guy is such a dork. I love it. He's like, oh my god, I was so nervous, but I didn't want to say it. It's like, get to the... I love that the lieutenant has not said another word. He's just like, get to the fucking point, Jared, or whatever his name is. What's what's? Do we know his first name? Jared? I like Jared. I Jared Carey. I don't know why I gave him that first name. It's like, get to the point, Jared. Like, what? Like... If his name... If his name isn't Jared, I'm going to be disappointed. If his name is Jared, I'm going to be freaked out that you picked me that name too, out actually, of the cosmos. Me too, actually. <laughs> Let's find out. Ooh, now, now we have multiple mysteries on our head. You seem to speak English, I said in answer to this remark, and I have always thought I understood that language pretty well, but you'll excuse me if I say that I don't see your point. <laughs> Why is it that great men are so frequently obtuse, he said languidly, giving the ground such a push with his toe that it set the hammock swinging furiously. When I say that I have searched for you all these years, but not for you as you, I mean not for you as Dr. Carey, not for you as an individual, but for you as the possessor of a very rare eye. Um. Go on, <laughs> I said feebly and rubbed my forehead, thinking perhaps my brains had got into a tangle and were responsible for this extraordinary affair. What is the peculiar quality which makes my eye so rare? There is only one pair of eyes like them in the world that I know of, said the stranger. And I have visited all lands in search of them and experimented with all kinds of Oh, eyes. hell no. Ew, 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 ew. What's he going to do? Oh, God. Is he going to take them? I don't understand. I am also now very much appreciating the the um, orbital parallels. Like, we started with two balls. Yeah, no, it's balls. very, like, the whole, the whole story I've, like, has been circular and like round and like vision based. I mean, it's very like the, the writing is fucking brilliant, Sir Johnny. <laughs> and he talks yep. in circles. Yeah, it's it's great. Okay, now I'm, but I'm also now really freaked out what is about to happen. 
And I am the proud possessor of that pair, I queried, becoming slightly more interested. Not you, said he. You and I together possess that pair, however. You and I, I cried. Yes, said he. Your left eye and my right have the honor of being the only two unique eyes in the world. Uh... Oh, that's queer, too, <laughs> I observed. A mixture of sarcasm and flippancy in my tones, I fear. You mean too unique, don't you? <laughs> this guy he's such a dork fuck that's a joke i would yeah, make uh, he's such a nerd like like my love <laughs> you mean tunic because there's two of them a eh? as he uh, winks his left eye <laughs> the old gentleman drew himself up with dignity made a gesture of impatience and remarked that if i intended to be flippant he would leave of course, I would not hear of this now that my curiosity had been aroused, and so I apologize. He's aroused, so you can't leave. <laughs> that would just be cruel. <laughs> Don't mention it, he said. But, my dear doctor, you cannot imagine my sensations when I found your eye yesterday. Uh. Oh, you found it yesterday, <laughs> did you? I put in. <laughs> yes, he said. On 43rd Street. Oh, no. <laughs> I was on 43rd Street yesterday, I replied, but really I was not conscious of the loss of my eye. <laughs> Nobody said you had lost it, said my visitor. I only said I had found it. I mean that I found it as Columbus found America. America was not necessarily lost before it was found. I had the good fortune to be passing through the street as you left your club. I glanced into your face as I passed, caught sight of your eye, and my heart stood still. Ooh, this just turned into a there romance. At last, <laughs> there at last was that for which I had so long and so earnestly searched. And so overcome was I with joy at my discovery that I seemed to lose all power of speech, of locomotion, or of sane thought. And not until you had passed entirely out of sight did I return really to my senses. Then I rushed madly into the clubhouse. I had seen you leave a few minutes before, described you to the man at the door, learned your name and address, and, well... Here I stalker. am. <laughs> that's, that's some creepy stalker yeah. shit. And what does all this extraordinary nonsense lead <laughs> up to? I asked. What do you intend to do about my eye? Do you wish to borrow it, buy it, or steal it? Dr. Carey, said my visitor sadly, I shall not live very long. I have reason to believe that another summer will find me in my grave, and I do not want to die without imparting to the world the news of a marvelous discovery I have made, the details of a wonderful invention that I have not only conceived, but have actually put into working order. 
I am an unknown man, too old to be able to refute the charge of senility were anyone disposed to question the value of my statements, could announce to the world my great discovery a thousand times a day, and very properly the world would decline to believe me. The world would cry humbug, and I should have been unable, had I failed to find you, to convince the world that I was not a humbug. <laughs> With the discovery of your eye, all that is changed. I shall have an ally in you, and that is valuable for the reason that your statements, whatever they may be, will always be entitled to and will receive respectful attention. Here, in this box, is my invention. I shall let you discover its marvelous power for yourself, hoping that when you have discovered its power, you will tell the world of it and of its inventor. Um, this is so intriguing. <laughs> What's in the box? Um, What's in the box? <laughs> he has invented Gwyneth Paltrow's head. Oh, no. It's just his dick in a box. He's gonna. <laughs> he's sitting on the hammock and he's got this box sitting on his lap. It's just like, dick in a box. <laughs> and once you have discovered its power, I hope you'll tell world. the whole world. It's my dick in a box. Hey! <laughs> this whole thing is like a prank his friend set up on him or something. It is, um, so what I'm getting from this guy's story so far is that it is very much a, a story of like, look, I came up with this thing, but I, uh, I'm in a position where no one's going to listen to me. I need someone who comes from yes. privilege. Yeah. I need someone with, with a privileged background to, to sort of be an yeah. ally. No, it's absolutely, it's very much that it's like, I, I'm a, I'm an un unknown genius or an untrained genius and like I can't get this out into the world but the world needs it and you're the one to give it to them yeah, yeah. I'm intrigued as the whole eye situation but let's let's yeah let's let's find out with that said the doctor the old fellow handed me the tin box which I opened with considerable misgivings as to possible results there was no explosion however the cover came well so it's Aww. not as dick <laughs> the cover came off easily enough and on the inside was a curiously shaped telescope not a drinking cup as I had first surmised why it's a telescope isn't it I said <laughs> Yes, what did you suppose it was? He asked. I hadn't an idea, I replied, not exactly truthfully, but it can't be good for much in this shape, I added, for as I pulled the parts out and got it to its full length, I found that each section was curved <laughs> and that the whole formed an arc, which, though scarcely perceptible, nevertheless should, it seemed to me, have interfered with the utility of the hey, instrument. just because it curves a little bit to one side or another doesn't mean it's useless. Come on, people. <laughs> no, you just have to figure out how to work with work what you with got. <laughs> That's the point I want you to establish one way or the other. 
said my visitor, getting up out of the hammock and pacing nervously up and down the lawn. To my eye, that telescope is a marvel and is the result of years of experiment. It fulfills my expectations, and if your eye is what I think it is, I shall at last have found another to whom it will appear the treasure it appears to me. You have a tower in your house, I see. Let us go up to the roof of no, the tower. No, do not go into the room the in glass. the tower. Don't go into the room in the tower. <laughs> With the stranger. Ooh. Deep cut Deep callbacks. callback. <laughs> Damn, I'm going to have to go find that bit of music. Yeah, you now. are. Sorry, baby. <laughs> Then we shall see if I claim too much for it. The earnestness of the old gentleman interested me hugely, and I led the way through the garden to the house, up the tower stairs to the roof, and then standing there, looking across the river at the palisades looming up like a huge fortress before me, I put the telescope to my eye. I see absolutely nothing, <laughs> I said, after vainly trying to fathom the depths of the instrument. Alas, began the old gentleman, and then he laughed nervously. You are using the wrong eye. Try the other one. It is your left eye that has the power to show the virtues of this glass. I obeyed his order, and then a most singular thing happened. Strange sights met my gaze. At first, I could see nothing but the palisades opposite me, but in an instant, my horizon seemed to broaden. The vista through the telescope deepened, and before I knew it, my sight was speeding now through a beautiful country over fields, hills, and valleys, then on through great cities, out to and over a broad, gently undulating stretch which I at once recognized as the prairie lands of the West. In a minute, more, I began to catch the idea of this wonderful glass, for I now saw rising up before me the wonderful beauties of the Yosemite, and then, like a flash of lightning, my vision passed over the Sierra Nevada range. My eye swept down upon San Francisco and was soon speeding over the waters of the Pacific. What? Two minutes later, I saw the strange pagodas of the Chinese rising before me, sweeping my glass to the north, bleak Siberia met my gaze. Then, to the south, I saw India, her jungles, her waste places. Not long after, a most awful sight met my gaze. I saw a huge ship at the moment of foundering in the Indian Ocean. Horrified, I turned my glass again to the north, and the minarets of Stamboul rose before me, then the dome of St. Peter's in Rome, then Paris, then London, then the Atlantic Ocean. I leveled my glass due west, and finally I could see nothing but one small black speck, as like to a fleck of dust as to anything else on the lens at the other end. 
With a movement of my hand, I tried to wipe it off, but it still remained, and in answer to a chuckle at my side, I put the glass down. It is the most extraordinary thing I ever saw, I said. Yes, it is, said the other. One can almost see round the world with it, I cried breathless, nearly with enthusiasm. One can, quite, said the inventor calmly. Nonsense, I said. Don't claim too much, my friend. It is true, he said. Did you notice a speck on the glass? I am sure you did, for you tried to remove it. Yes, I said. I did, but what of it? Oh, what does that signify? It proves what I said, he answered. You did see all the way around the world with that glass. The black spot on the lens that you thought was a piece of dust was the back of your own head. <laughs> Nonsense, my boy. The back of my head is bigger than that, I said. Certainly it is, he responded. But you must make some allowance for perspective. The back of your head is a trifle less than 24,000 miles from the end of your nose, the way you were looking at it. You mean to say, began the lieutenant as the doctor paused to chalk his cue. <laughs> That's a hell of a euphemism. I'll chalk your cue. <laughs> Thank you. That's 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 my new favorite pickup line. Would you want to play pool? I'll chalk your cue and play with your balls. <laughs> I think there's a pool hall downtown. I'm going to try that line. You should. This weekend. Yeah, I'm sure they'll go over well with the Mormons. <laughs> yeah, it'll go over real well in St. George, yeah. Utah. <laughs> hey, you play pool? Yeah. Can I chalk your cue? <laughs> I guess that only works for you at a gay bar. <laughs> uh, not necessarily. What? <laughs> a cue is a big I, I stick. Mean, well, yeah, but I mean, it doesn't have to be a gay bar for me to hit on a guy. <laughs> true, true, true. So you might also get punched in the face. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I might get beat yeah, up. But cool. I think that's well worth the price of testing I mean, out a new pickup line. Science is worth it. <laughs> <laughs> You mean to say, began the lieutenant as the doctor paused to chalk his cue. <laughs> Never mind what I mean to say, said the doctor. Reflect upon what I have said. But the man and the telescope, what became of them? Asked the lieutenant. I was about to tell you that. <laughs> He's like, get to the, the fucking old... <laughs> point. I want another beer. <laughs> I was trying, but then you interrupted me. <laughs> Now just stand still. Chalking your cue isn't as easy as it Sister, looks. Chalk, I'm going to chalk my cue and tell you my story. The old fellow who had made his marvelous glass, which to two eyes that he knew of and to only two would work as was desired, feeling that he was about to die, had come to me to offer the glass for sale on two considerations. One was the consideration of $25. The other that I would leave no stone unturned to discover a possible third person younger than myself with an eye similar to those we had to whom at my death the glass should be transmitted 
exacting from him the promise that he too would see that it was passed along in the same manner into the hands of posterity. I was also to acquaint the world with the story of the glass and the name of its inventor to the fullest extent possible. And you, of course, accepted? I did said the doctor but having no money in my pocket i went down into the house to borrow it of my wife and upon my return to the roof found no trace of the glass the old man or the roof either what what <laughs> cried the lieutenant are you crazy no smiled the doctor not at all for the moment i reached the roof of the house i opened my eyes and found myself still swinging on the hammock under the trees and the moral queried the lieutenant you promised a moral or i should not have listened <laughs> he's like god i've been standing here for fucking ever this is like the longest bad joke he's ever heard it's like god damn always have money in your pocket replied the doctor, pocketing the last ball and putting up his cue. Then you are not apt to lose great bargains such as I lost for want of $25. <laughs> it's a good idea, returned the lieutenant. And you live up to it, I suppose? I do, returned the oculist, tapping his pocket significantly. Always. Then, said the lieutenant earnestly, I wish you'd lend me a tenner for, really, doctor. I've gone clean broke. The end. The end. <laughs> oh, no. That might have been the most infuriating <laughs> a doctor and a soldier walk into a bar jokes. That's... I know. Ever. That's what I said at the beginning, and I didn't even know that's where it was going. <laughs> wow. A doctor and a lieutenant that... walk into a bar to play pool, and <laughs> always have money in your pocket, people. <laughs> always have money in your pocket. I never carry cash. That, no, I, I actually have started carrying cash. It was mainly because of the ship, because I want to tip people. And the tips that you put on the cards on ships don't actually go to those people. Fun fact, um, if you're on a cruise ship, tip your bartenders and your waiters and everything in cash, everybody. Um, but, like, that's the only reason I started carrying cash. Now I always seem to have some. Um, like, it's become a habit. But, like... Yeah, it, it'd be a good habit, except my problem is I don't think of cash as money. Like, I think of money as the thing that's on my card. It's it's weird. I think of money as the thing that's on my card. If I have cash in my pocket, I'm just going to spend it. Well, that, yeah. Like, oh, it, it just becomes, like, waste. It's just like, eh, I've got money. Yay. Like, yeah, it's like I have 20 bucks in my pocket. What's 20 bucks? Well, it's it's a burrito and a beer. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. 20 bucks is a burrito and a beer. 20 bucks isn't money. 20 bucks is lunch. Yeah. Whereas I tend to forget I have it in my pocket, even though I now know I carry it because I'm used to having yeah. it there. So now I'm like, oh, yeah, I have cash. Um, but that guy just made up the most ridiculous fucking story for no reason. <laughs> the the well, only thing about this story that bugs me a little bit is that I'm like, oh, this is another one of those. And I dreamed the whole thing stories. But he didn't even dream it. <laughs> 
I don't even think he dreamed it. I think he made the whole fucking thing up and was like, no, I was on my hammock the whole time. I just, you know, wanted to have some money. But yeah, no, I guess, I guess technically he could have dreamed it. Yeah. And he's just telling the guy of his dream. But uh, I think he just fucking made it up. Because he seems like that kind of... It's kind of like when you make up stories and you commit to the bit, uh, Ken yeah, Sandberg. He's just committing to the bit. <laughs> it was just his way of distracting his opponent while he cleaned up at the well, pool Well, he table. fucking slayed it. Like, he st- notice how he started telling the story when he scratched. Yep. He's like, fuck, I messed up. Now I need to distract him so I can, you know. <laughs> but I do love that the l- lieutenant, like, at the end is like, oh, so you have money on you? Can I have some? <laughs> Hey. <laughs> Next round's on you. Hey. <laughs> hey. Yeah. It's like it's um like it has very much the vibe of my favorite joke of all time. Um which I think I've you told have, you it's the rabbit yes, joke. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, you're not going to um, tell it right now? It's a little long. I mean, I can tell it right now. We got we got a couple okay, minutes. Okay, tell tell the rabbit joke, Ken. All right. It's the rabbit joke. Much the same way as this story, the rabbit joke is a story. And it goes thusly. Uh, I was um, sitting uh, on a, like a lawn chair in my front yard one day. And um, I saw this little uh, bunny, little bunny rabbit come hopping across the road. It was very cute. Um, watching him play around and like bounce back and forth. And, uh, but then down the road a ways, I heard this like an engine revving and there was a car coming. And I was like, oh, oh no, bunny, you got to move, right? You got to get out of the way, get out of the road. The car's getting closer and closer. And I stand up to try to shoo the bunny away. But the car like actually speeds up and slams into the rabbit, smashes it on the street. And, you know, the driver slams on the brakes, um, pulls over to the side of the road, hops out of his car. Sorry, no pun intended. Hops out of his car, um, takes, takes a couple steps back to the rabbit, looks at it. Picks up its ear, it flops back down to the ground, like, you know, does the check the pulse thing, confirms that the the rabbit is really dead. Runs back to his car, sits down for a second, fiddles around with something in the glove box, gets back out of the car, goes to the rabbit. He's got, what he's got is like a spray can, and he sprays it all over the bunny rabbit, drops the can, gets back in his car, and drives away. Never see the car again. (laughs) I'm freaked out. I have no idea what's going on, right? So um, I stand up. To, to walk over to, to the bunny to, to see what just happened. And the bunny hops up yeah. and takes three little hops away from me, turns around and waves at me. Then takes three more little hops away from me and waves at me. Three more little hops towards the edge of the road, waves at me, gets off the road, three more hops into the ditch, waves at me. And finally, just as this little rabbit is about to make it into the woods, it turns around and it waves at me. And then it takes a couple hops and disappears. And as far as I know, I've never seen that rabbit again. So I'm freaked out. I have no idea what just happened. I walk out into the street, you know, look both ways, make sure there's not a car coming. Walk out into the street, bend down, pick up the can. It's an aerosol can. And I look at it and it says, for hair rejuvenation and permanent wave. (laughs) Get the fuck out of here. I don't know if you have told me that story. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> awesome. 
Uh, so I think that might be my favorite joke of all time. Yeah. Yeah. I that's I don't know if you have actually told me that story. Oh. <laughs> that joke. Cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, very similar. <laughs> it's like it's, yeah, yeah. I think I think Sir Johnny Bangs would approve of that. Johnny one. Bangs would would like that. Yeah, yeah. Hey, listener. Um, I want to hear three things from you. Thing number one: What did you think of that story? How do you feel about the re-return of Johnny Bangs? Uh, number two: I want to know how you felt about that joke. Was it worth the two and a half minutes of sitting there listening for a really bad pun of a punchline? <laughs> and number three, I want to know what your favorite joke is. Ooh, Please yeah. send us your favorite joke and we will read it next week. Send um, us your favorite if, if joke. You send us, if you send us your favorite joke, uh, that is a personal guarantee. Um, and if you want us to credit you... Uh, Put your name. Leave your name in the email. If you want to be anonymous, you, just say anonymous. <laughs> Yeah, because uh, um, my favorite joke yeah, is really so, filthy and short. Do, do you want to share it? I think I have on this podcast before, but um, here it goes. It goes well with the theme because of all the balls. Um, what did Cinderella say when she got to the ball? Tell us. <laughs> there, there is a bit of a visual component. There, there to that is joke, a bit of a visual, can, but I think you can you can make the visual. Um, <laughs> put put two and two yeah. together. Yeah, you can guess what that is. Uh, uh, there's a lot of stick chalking. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of cue cue choking on. Yes. Yeah. Um. What? Anyway, what's our yeah, password so this shoot week? Us, so shoot us shoot us all of that information. Um. Uh, and and send it either to any of our um, social medias or to our email address, which is 5050artsproduction at gmail.com. That is the digits 5050artsproduction at gmail.com. And that is all on our website if you need it. Uh, yeah, and it's all on our website. And uh, and when you when you send that in, please include this week's secret passcode which I was hoping I would have decided on by the time I finished that sentence. Chalk my cue? Is yes, it, I think it's chalk my cue. You want to chalk my cue? So just chalk my cue. <laughs> chalk my cue. Chalk my cue, <laughs> baby. <laughs> and then try that with your uh-huh, significant uh-huh. other uh, at some point. <laughs> yeah, at some point this week, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to ask a stranger if you can chalk their cue. <laughs> Don't recommend a stranger but you know do what you gotta do you gotta you gotta commit to the bit <laughs> um i think that's I all think i that's got that's it uh like us follow us share us and uh we'll be back oh yeah do all that stuff yeah. uh leave us a review yeah stars are good words are better um leave us a review and uh yeah and mainly just tell us you liked it because we do it for you so hey yeah. Uh, so thanks for tuning in. This has been fun. And until next week, this has been Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf. Hey, baby, are those balls in your pocket or do you just have a tumor? (laughs) Got real dark. And we found it. The worst (laughs) in history. Nothing says, do you want to get down <laughs> like testicular cancer? Hot. <laughs> Chalk my cue, baby. <laughs>